Today's episode of One Shining Podcast is brought to you by Kevin O'Connor. Let's just, <laughs> I mean, we're brought to you by The Ringer in general, but just Kevin O'Connor specifically, all the great work Kevin <laughs> O'Connor is doing for these NBA playoffs. Just wrote an article about Brad Stevens and how he is owning the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, very informative stuff. KOC dives into the gifts. He's making gifts, Tate. That's how you know it's serious. He's showing all the the Brad Stevens plays. Uh, you and I could learn a lot from this. We're getting into the coaching world. We should, uh, you know, copy some of these some of these sideline out of bounds plays and stuff. Um, but yeah, check that out. Check out all the work KOC is doing. He's putting a tough spot. The Celtics are doing well. That's always a tough spot as a ringer writer. Uh, obviously, our boss is a Celtics guy, Tate, and the people are like, "Hey, are you writing this just because your boss is telling you?" And the answer is no. We're writing it because Brad Stevens is a great coach and is doing great things. So go check that out. Check out everything KOC does. He has our full endorsement here on One Shining Podcast. And check out Tate Frazier, the podcast that he's involved in that are not One Shining Podcast. Tate, speak to those. Those podcasts are Against All Odds, which is uh, hosted by Cousin Sal, the great Cousin Sal from Jimmy Kimmel Live. Uh, that is always a good time. If you have not listened to that podcast, the Degenerate Trifecta, uh, they're basically our best friends. They are friends of the program. They Parlay Kid has shouted out that he won't he will support uh your your reign as coach at he Chicago did. State. So that's good to hear. I've uh, missed a I missed the last few episodes. Did they did they do derby stuff? They did derby stuff. Uh my boy Jack. How did it go? My boy Jack was How was the it? one. But 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 it was my boy Jack was like sixty to one or something like that. And the odds the day of got all the way up to six to one. So it was a sleeper. Didn't work out. Um, that's pretty much the, the motto of the show. Uh, you know, we find the sleepers and they don't quite work out. Uh, but that's against all odds. And uh, we pretty much do the same thing on GM Street. Talk about the NFL. Myself, Mike Lombardi, uh, who is the biggest Sixers fan I've ever met in my entire life. And, and there, that's no joke. Um, he was freaking out, just calling out Dario Sarge yesterday. I watched the game with him. Uh, he hates Dario Sarge, but, you know, it, it, was, it was good to witness uh, Mike Lombardi watch a Sixers game, bringing up, like, you know, the 1979 Eastern Conference semifinal games. I, I have no idea what happened in those games, but learned a lot. GM Street, please check that out. And uh, that is the Ringer Podcast Network. That's the plug. Also, check out One Shining Podcast, this podcast. <sighs> if you made it this far... I got great news. You're already checking it out. Just keep continue listening. Today, we are going to talk about the NBA playoffs today. Let's talk about that. I have a lot of playoff thoughts, and we're turning a lot of people off as soon as we say NBA playoffs because most of our listeners are college basketball fans, and they're saying, we don't want to hear your NBA takes. I, I want to talk to you like in, a, in, in the lens of a college basketball thing. Just kind of, I don't know. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I have thoughts on the playoffs. Um, I, I assume you do, too. We'll talk about my Chicago State thing. I got a few updates there, uh, and some some other news around college basketball. Some uh, some combine stuff. We'll go through the combine list, maybe. Maybe talk about your Carolina guys getting snubbed. <laughs> I don't know. Possibly. We'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, we'll just see what happens. We'll we're, a lot of stuff going on in basketball. We will we will get to as much of it as we can. But first, Woody Durham. It is Tuesday, May 8th. It is a little after noon o'clock here on the beautiful East Coast city of Columbus, Ohio. That makes it a little after 9 o'clock a.m. We're Tate Frazier. Coach Tate Frazier, I should say. We need to get into the habit of doing that, Tate. Thanks, Coach. Calling each other Coach. 
That's that's really my only objective with the Chicago State thing is to just have strangers call me coach. Just be like, man, coach, I, I co- coach, what'd you see in this game that we're watching tonight? I want to go on TV. I want it to say Coach Titus. That's really all I want. I want like like Grant Hill still calls Bill Raftery coach. Like Bill Raftery is not coached since the eighties. <laughs> he he really didn't accomplish much as a coach, and then he got into broadcasting, and that's how he became famous. And Grant Hill, he's still like, hey, coach. You see that play out there? That's that's what I need. Um, so we need to get into that habit. I'm going to call you coach as well, Coach Frazier. Appreciate it, Coach. And I, I will say this. I mean, we we don't want to be like – we're doing the opposite of the Vitale way, which is to get into coaching and then go into broadcasting where everyone forgets that you were a coach at one point. We're going to start in broadcasting then get into coaching, and then the coach will stick, and then that's our whole plan. But speaking of – hold on. Speaking of Vitale, I'm going to stop you for a second. Uh, the Detroit job is still open, is it not? That's like the other, like, I've had a lot of people tweeted at me, like, about, uh, are you sure, like, if Chicago State doesn't work out, you should come to Detroit. Our job is just as much of a mess, and we can't find anybody. Vital coached the Detroit. Why is this not a thing, Tate? Is this Bring a homecoming? Bring Dickie V home. I, how about, I'll, I'll take Bring him home. I'll take it a step further. Just the city of Detroit. Bring everybody home. Bring Dick Vitale to Detroit. Bring <laughs> Isaiah Thomas to the Pistons. And it's just a complete homecoming. Everyone just goes crazy. They get all excited, and, and everyone's excited for Detroit basketball again. There we go. We saved I it. Like it. That, that, I like it. That sounds like some losing uh, in the future for Detroit if that does happen, but it does sound like some fun as well. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff going on in the world of college basketball, though. We, we're going to talk about the NBA stuff, but we have to bring up the fact that Miss Carter, uh, Wendell Carter, <laughs> Wendell Carter's mom— for people that do not know, uh, was at a new commission. There, there seems to be a commission every single week where we get together and we say, hey, what's going on with college basketball? How do we fix this? Hey, folks, you see this? <laughs> you see these You see these players not getting paid? How crazy is that? Yeah, it's Let's pretty, fix that. It's pretty wild. And we, we heard about the Rice Commission, and uh, she pretty much fried that whole outlook on things, uh, Miss Carter. She came out and, and she compared uh, the NCAA college basketball system to slavery and the prison system and its exploitation of labor, um, and I mean, just and a it, tinge. Did she say just a tinge? She, she, Was it the Brendan Haywood, she, just a tinge she, of slavery. She cut out the tinge, which is you know, you know, we 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 enjoy that for for the word choice, and she cut that out. She went straight to the point, um, and she she said she talked about the Christian Dawkins spreadsheet. She said the accusation was nauseating to deal with. Um, meanwhile, the whole time she's saying this, sitting right next to her is the admiral. David Robinson, whose son Justin Robinson also plays at Duke, was with Wendell Carter last year at Duke. And he, so he's on the Rice Commission, we know. And the Rice Commission comes out. We, we hear nothing about anything with, you know, the getting the players being being paid. And that's what we talked about on the last podcast, if you didn't check that out. Uh, but he says after the fact, and this is at the Knight Commission, I guess, or whatever this this new meeting is. He says kids should be able to benefit from their name, image, and likeness. But he just had the Rice Commission where they <laughs> didn't say that. So he forgot to, he forgot to bring that up in the meeting. <laughs> yes. So I don't understand how like how that didn't come up when he's talking to Condoleezza. I'm guessing Condoleezza is just so you know she dominates the room, so no one else gets a word in edgewise. I'm guessing that's how this happened. But David Robinson has now changed his tune from one commission to the next commission, and and I don't know. We we maybe we need a commissioner at this point. There's just too many commissions and not enough answers, and still no one's getting paid. And Wendell Carter's mom is pissed about it. Wendell Carter's mom decide that it's like slavery. This is the, I mean, in all seriousness, I don't think people who who do the slavery angle realize how destructive that is towards getting players paid. Because 
like you can't the only way to, to to reach a solution and to to find a middle ground and to to keep this NCA system because again as as we you and I say ad nauseum we we want the amateur model to 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 still thrive with college sports we do not want to become the NBA um but the only way to find that middle ground where it's like let's compensate the players but also somehow keep an amateur model is to exist like in in the middle of this debate and when you say that this is slavery. You you are so far on the extreme of one side that all you're doing is just pissing off the people on the other side who are then like losing. The, it, it does nothing to get. It, it does the exact opposite of what you're trying to make it do. When when you uh, liken it to like the most heinous shit that's happened in this country <laughs> of all, t- like you're giving you're saying these guys are going to play. They they get free educations. They get to be on TV. They get all the free like. I don't know. You, you and I are in the same boat with this. Like we want the players to make money on their own likenesses, but to even pretend to not even the slavery part to even pretend like they're not getting anything that they're playing for free is ridiculous. It's just as I guess I shouldn't say just as ridiculous, but it is, it is in the same vein as ridiculous and extreme because these guys are getting paid. Like you have to start there. If you want to get the guys compensated for their likenesses, you have to start with the, the, the thought of like, okay, we will acknowledge that they are getting paid via scholarships, via stipends, via whatever, but that's still not enough. And that is, that is your argument. Your argument is not, hey, remember those 400 years of slavery where it was like the most heinous shit that's like still affecting our country in, in very destructive ways today? I feel like the NCAA basketball is the exact same thing, is it not? <laughs> like you can't say that. And then, and then Kanye chimes in and he was like, yeah, it's not that bad. And they're like, what the f***? <laughs> 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 He's somehow on the commission. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't it, know. I mean, it, it is funny. You, it's it's funny because it's like, I mean, I, it just the word choice. It's it's so ludicrous. It's it's like people bringing up Hitler in an argument with someone that they don't like. It's I, I don't know. It's it's like taking it to that extreme is funny to witness as a neutral observer. But like, if you actually want to to instigate change and to get to this point where players are profiting off of their names, this is the a very very bad way to go about it. Is to to basically call the powers that be like slave owners is basically what you're doing. And, 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 <laughs> and like, it's not like, it's not like they're going to hear that and be like, Oh, okay. Now I'll listen to you. They're going to say what? No. <laughs> and it's not like this is the first time this is, you know, this has been paired around for, you know, for, I mean, the modern day athlete, this whole 21st century athlete, they've had this whole storyline, you know, this has been going on. This comparison has been made a million times. I mean, South Park did a whole episode on it, you know, with Cartman and, right. and, and they did went to Boulder and, you know, they, they did the whole thing. And, and, and we've always talked, about this and this has been the the topic of conversation for quite some time i just thought it was interesting that you know you have all these other people like david robinson who's on all these committees who has been a part of the system i mean i know he went to navy and that's a little bit of a different scenario but i i don't know how they haven't tried like grant hill you just you brought him up earlier i mean i mean even you know winnow carter's mom she played basketball at old miss they've all seen the system they've seen both sides of the situation but there's still not an on, honest conversation that's going on you know even at these commissions they're right. like we have to figure out what the problem the, the problem is that people are circumventing the system by actually paying players because the players do have value and they should be paid so there there's a right. way there's a way to find a, a middle ground. I mean, she actually there was a good idea that was brought up where, you know, she compared it to a trade school. So when you come in to play college basketball, you play two years and it's as is as if you go to a to an agriculture school, you know, at NC State or something, and you're gonna be there for two years. And instead of learning about, you know, how to, you know, be a greensman on a golf course, you're learning about how to be a basketball player in the NBA and be a professional athlete and be able to manage your money and do stuff like that. 
which is, you know, there, there's some sort of compromise that can be found in there, but I don't know. I mean, th- this story is obviously going to get a lot of headlines, and Wendell Carter's mom will probably be, you know, on outside the lines for the next three years, but uh, uh, <laughs> we'll see what so, that leads to. I mean, the only way to get to the point where you, you the, the change that, and what, I'll, I'll say we all just, I, I mean, most of the people that I interact with believe that players should make money off their likenesses. So uh, the only way you're going to get to that point is you have to convince the people who are on the other side of the fence who believe that scholarship, like the opportunity to play. It's basically the people that are like, well, when I went to college, I had to pay my own way and I didn't get to fly private jets around the country and I didn't get free stuff and I didn't get training tables and, and academic help. So you should just be happy with what you have. And all those people, like... The only way to get them to see your point of view is to first acknowledge their point of view and say, I understand where you're coming from. And yep. you, you 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 raise a great point. Let's have a discussion about this. And when you come out and you and, and you play like the oppressive angle of like, we are slaves in this system, the the people that you're trying to win over are building a wall and they're saying, I don't want to hear any more of your bullshit. If you're saying that you're a slave, get out of here. I, th- you've already lost me. And everything you say after that is ridiculous and you're not winning anybody over. And I guess that's like, like the South Park thing is funny because that it's South Park is a comedy TV show. This is, it's funny. That's what they're supposed to do. They're making us laugh. So they like take it to an extreme and it's funny. And like, that's why I think it's like funny when, when people do take it to that extreme but then the part of me that actually wants to see change happen is like, oh, damn it, not again. Like, here we, like, this is not helping at all. So, um, but I do love that David Robinson, yeah, he's, he's like basically tapping his chest. And it's like my, like the commission breaks and they, they say, here's, here's all the stuff that we think, here's, here's all the, the changes we think in the basketball should have. And everyone's like, nothing about paying players. And they're like, David Robinson, weren't you on the commission? Why didn't you bring up paying players? And he's just tapping his chest. He's like, ooh, that's, that one's on me. My bad. I should have done that. <laughs> he's like, that was a good idea. Uh, but it also came out that he, he brought up later, he, he was worried about bringing it up because of pending litigation with the, uh, with the FBI situation that's going on. So now that's mm-hmm. like that's the new scapegoat, you know. You gotta have some, you gotta have someone to point at us so why you're not gonna bring something up. So now it's the FBI investigation that we're it's it's pending litigation, is the uh, the big uh, monster in the room, I guess. Uh, I also the you know what? what? Go ahead. No, I was gonna bring up the the one of the rules that I did like was the, the Randolph Morris rule, which I don't think that's the name of it, but that's what I'm gonna call it. Where you know we're we're doing the test of waters and and the guys that are all trying to figure out if they're going to sign with agents or stay in the draft or pull themselves back out but Randolph Morris you know was the first player in history to go from NCAA the, to the NBA in the same week when he signed with the Knicks um in 07 and I think in, and and that was like right after Kentucky had lost the NCAA tournament but that was cuz he declared for the draft he signed with an agent he didn't get drafted and then the NCAA made him sit out and then he got to come back for the second semester but just cut out the middleman in that situation just let these guys be able to to go sign an NBA deal if you know if if some team wants them I think that makes it fun and it also opens the pull up and it makes it so it's it's more of a it's not a minor league situation, I guess. I don't know. They're they're one to one almost. If, if these guys are able to sign deals and and not be able to to, to be kind of handcuffed to the fact that they have an agent and now they're a professional athlete and they can't come back, I don't know. That that's one thing that that I like. That there's there's potential for that to be a, a real thing in the future. I think. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna be the change I want to see in the world, Tate. I'm gonna when I get the Chicago State job, I'm going to just. I'm going to foster change. I'm I'm going to, and I'm going to start with my salary. Can, can we talk about the Chicago State thing please, for a second? Please, let us know. Because I, I want to get this off my chest. Um, this is not a joke. <laughs> that That's the point I want to make to the people 
to the friends of the program that have been very supportive. See a lot of people tweeting at uh, Chris Zorich, the the new athletic director of Chicago State. Make Chicago State um, again. Make Chicago State again is the hashtag. Uh, so here, here's what I want to say, Tate. Just because I'm having fun with this and I'm making some jokes about stuff and I, I'm taking a humorous slant with this does not mean that this is a joke, that, that my candidacy is a joke. I very, very seriously want this job, Tate. I, I want it so badly. I go to bed at night. I think of ways I can fix Chicago State basketball. I wake up in the morning. I I eat, sleep, breathe, dream Chicago Cougars. State basketball yes. right now. Um, if, if they, if they in all seriousness, if they offer me the job, I would take it with before they even finish the sentence. Uh, I'm very, I, I really, really want this job. So <laughs> I don't know how, like, I, I've kind of backed myself in the corner by making all these jokes about it. And, uh, and then like people, the way I'm interacting with people, it's like, I mean, it is a joke, but also I do want an interview. So I'll say, here's the update. I have some people working angles. I have friends of friends of friends who are friends of the program who know a guy who know a guy at Chicago State. We we are, are we are working some angles. Uh, I, as far as I know, they're going to start interviewing people within the next week or so is what I've been told. Um, I have not heard from Chicago State yet. However, yet. I'm very confident. Mm-hmm. I'm very confident that I will at least hear, whether that's, that's a phone call, it's like, please stop this <laughs> <laughs> or, or whether it's an actual interview. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's where we stand. Uh, I don't know, Tate. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of like, uh, I'm at a crossroads here. I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to do something drastic. I, 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 I can't believe like, I mean, I feel like, I feel like what I've laid out makes a ton of sense that I, to reiterate, I'm asking for a hundred thousand dollars salary. I will spend, I will send 50,000 of that to charity and only keep 50,000 for myself, which is basically peanuts living in Chicago, Illinois. Um, I, so I will donate 50 grand to charity. I will guarantee a winning season. And if those don't, if it doesn't happen, I will resign immediately. I will, we will, we will continue this podcast. You will be my assistant coach. Mm-hmm. We, we will make Chicago state again. It'll be awesome. It'll be a great experiment. We will, we will drive a lot of interest into, uh, into Chicago State basketball, but also like we're talking about all these all these pay- players need to get paid and all this kind of stuff. And part of the problem with the system is that the coaches, the people in charge, are making a ton of money. And I think what better example than for me to to speak my truth, but then to also live out the truth, Tate. I go take the job. I only take fifty thousand dollars in salary. I mean, I'm not saying I would be a hero at that point, but if other people want to say that I'm a hero, I will allow it to happen. That's all I'm going to say. Um, so that's it. I I I'm, I I think like I have not gotten a response yet. Maybe I need to like get more drastic with this. Maybe we need to up the ante, figure something out to kind of sweeten the pot for Chicago State. But uh, that's where we're at. We're we're not dead yet. The candidacy still lives, but uh, we'll see. We'll know more next week. Just because it's a joke doesn't mean you're not serious. That that's gonna be the title of my book that I write about this. <laughs> it's a great I want to get the job. I'm going to write the book and I'm going to say just because it's a joke doesn't mean I wasn't serious. My my one year on the Chicago State bench. And then I, and then I'm going to write my book what had happened was. And it's and it's me Just because it's, it's funny me doesn't mean it was a joke. Yeah. What had happened was. <laughs> because my $50,000 salary is going straight to the bags. That's that's what I'm that's what I'm doing for Chicago State. I'm doing all I can. I'm keeping talent in house. I'm keeping talent in state. 
We're, we're doing our best because we have to make Chicago State again. We only have one year. This is not a three-year plan. This is not a four-year plan. This is a win-now mentality. We're, we're trimming the yeah. fat day one. We're getting in shape, and, and, we're, and we're getting duffels. They're shipping out everywhere I think all part around of it, Chicago. So I think part of the strategy, so Chicago State is in the whack, right? Um, yes. Which, is, first of all, like— The Western Athletic oh Conference. <laughs> yeah, can we, can we just start there with, like, the, the, when, when you're explaining— the, the, the absurdity of the Chicago State job is that Chicago State is in the whack, and that's, like, the 30th craziest thing about this job. When, when you think about how they still don't even have a university president, and whoever they hire is going to be the fifth president they've had in, like, two years. Um, just on down the line. We, we, we hashed it out in the last podcast. But they're in the whack. Here, here's, here's what I think is a good strategy, Tate. we got to figure out a way— to drag all of the conference rivals down to our level. We got to figure out a way to like we need to we need to throw our network, our friends of the program, use our network, use our influence to find sanctions with every other program in the conference mm-hmm. and and get get the FBI on their trail or something like that, you know. We we need to play dirty basically is what I'm saying. But 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 do it from a guise of like we're trying to clean up college basketball. Like if you rat on people, if you do the Bruce Pearl where you're wiretapping people and and, and ratting them out, and so stuff, we need we need a rat guy. Turn, we gotta have a rat. Yeah, we we need a rat. We need a rat very badly. Uh, but we could crowdsource all of this. People, it, I'm overwhelmed with the amount of people that are tweeting at us that are like, "I I signed up to be your fall guy. I will be your scout. I will be your director of ops. Whatever you need, I'll I will do it." I think we do need a rat guy. I think we need someone. But then. It comes out that we were ratting on all these teams, and we just say, "Listen, we're trying to clean up college basketball," <laughs> yeah. and then you know people people will like us at that point. We're trying to so. even the playing field from the inside. Real, I think, uh, real change my, start from the inside. I'm, I think I'm I'm ready though to do the uh, one thing I'm thinking about is the GoFundMe thing. I brought it up on the last pod. I kind of I, I think maybe that's the next level because like if I don't get it, if I don't get them to bite on my my proposal to take fifty grand for myself and give fifty grand to charity. Uh, which, by the way, if I if I if I may say so, absolutely genius play because like if they turn me down, it's like, well, um, do you hate charity? Do you yeah. hate helping the community? <laughs> it's like, Chicago's where are your priorities, <laughs> Cougars? Come on. Um, but so so I'm thinking about doing the GoFundMe thing where we just get this publicly funded. Um, where I just I start a GoFundMe and I'm like, pay my salary, please, so I can go to Chicago State. So I save Chicago. So Chicago State literally pays me nothing. They hire me for zero dollars, and I just have a GoFundMe where. I I would figure out the percentages, but maybe maybe that's the next play. I take that seriously. I need to look into that. I need to look into like would people actually donate? Because I would sign up for that, and then uh, everyone listening to the pod would be like, "Wait, what? I'm not I'm not giving you money." <laughs> and then I would have no salary for here for for six installments of just twelve ninety nine. You can down <laughs> right. you can donate to the Chicago State Cougars. We're, we're having a we're having a telethon <laughs> for at the at the Rigger HQ trying to get me paid. <laughs> And it's just me, you, and Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> We're making Kyle answer all the phones. That'd be great. Uh, so yeah, that's the update. Um, which is basically there is no update, but I, 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 le- I legitimately have people working this angle. Uh, I think, I think the difference, Tate, is is here's what happened. I, I blew my wad too soon with the Duquesne story last year. Uh, for those who have been following my shenanigans for a while, I, I, I did a similar thing with Duquesne last year because their coaching search was. What's funny is like that coaching search was billed as like a disaster and they couldn't find anybody. And you go back and you look, they they fired their coach and hired a new guy within a two week window. That was that was all it was. It was like two weeks of just we can't find a guy and then we found a guy. Now the program seems to be doing pretty well. Um, 
this has been almost, I think, eight weeks now that they haven't, and they're they're just now starting to interview people, and who who knows who's going to take it. So, uh, this one is actually legitimate. I legitimately, I don't think I'm the best guy out there for the Chicago State job. No, let me take that back. I am the best guy out you there. You are the best guy. I, I'm not. <laughs> don't walk I am the it best back. guy out there. Yes. But the Duquesne, the Duquesne thing was a bit. This is not a bit. I want this job. I want it badly. Uh, I, I think we could have a ton of fun with it. We could uh, be like a social experiment, like where we subvert the rules of college basketball. Sometimes I, I say that figuratively with like the whole paying the players and like having a coach take a $50,000 salary would be an extreme thing and people would love that shit. But, you know, maybe we actually drop some bags here and there. I don't know. <laughs> That's the other beauty of it, Tate. Like you and I have made our shtick bag dropping so much. That like if we get the job and we actually drop bags, all the evidence is going to be like like all of our written stuff about bag dropping is is going to be just like mixed into one big pot of like is it shtick is it not shtick does anybody know at this point it's beautiful we have like the perfect cover and it's also like it's great as we're talking about it everyone's like these guys weren't lying they kept saying that they were dropping bags they were being honest the whole time all people want is real truth you right know, if you're being your your true version of yourself and you're saying what you're doing and then when you're you know in front of the FBI and you're testifying you just play the whole satire card it's just been Sat- satire. It's just- it's all it's a joke. just a prank, bro. It's just a joke. <laughs> you just don't get it. You just didn't get it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you, you did not get that, uh, Justice Scalia. So so that's it. Um, please continue to support. Please uh, uh, tweet hashtag Make Chicago State. I think the one thing that really might work is like tweeting about how you will buy season tickets if I get hired. <laughs> I feel like that... Uh, even even if you're living in like Seattle, listening to this, just be like, yeah, I'll, I will totally buy season two. Like, tweet at the at the program, tweet at the university, at the AD. Just be like, yeah, I would totally buy season tickets if Tyrus got hired. That would be awesome. And um, and and honestly, you might even be able to afford season tickets. They're probably like fifty bucks for a season ticket. I don't know. <laughs> Did you know we'll, that the, we'll the all that up? But <laughs> here's my pitch. Also, I mean, the average tuition in the state of Illinois twenty three thousand dollars. That's what the average tuition is. Chicago State seven thousand. Oh, come down to Chicago State, it's beautiful. folks. Yes, we want everyone. We are the people. We are for the people. We are by the people. Go Cougars. We're also going to, like, our, we're, I'm going to be the first coach to have more walk-ons on my team than scholarship players. Yes. We're going to have a roster of, like, 36 players, and I'm going to give back to the walk-ons as well. Like, I have, I have a lot of great ideas, so. Oh, um, I have, I just thought of an idea. What if we say, instead of, like, we, we rev share all the scholarship money, you know, because it is money, right? If it, we all agree that it is money. We stack scholarships, so we only have three players, but they have three scholarships, so we just give them more money, and that's part of the bag. So, Ooh, like so instead of getting your $50,000 scholarship, we, we take three, we put it into one, and now you have 150000 100000 to maybe go get a nice house in the, the suburbs of Chicago with your family, and then the 50000 that you get for your normal scholarship. We'll, 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 save, like all, it. we'll save all the details. We won't, we won't, we won't share them online because uh, Rick Pitino will come back and take them from us. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Uh, Chicago State, still happening. Uh, please help us get hired. This would be incredible for the podcast but more importantly it'd be incredible that strangers would call us coach we we would go to the final four and we would go to coaches meeting like the coaches conventions we would wear our tuxedos at the coaches convention state this would be a thing we would get put on commissions we would get to be on the all these college basketball commissions all these things would happen um we just we just need it so i'm going to continue working hard i'm going up to chicago next weekend i think uh in pursuit of of an interview <laughs> cuz i think that's where they're starting to do the interviews i think you know, i might just go to campus and like Please, please get a boombox and stand outside Chicago State's office. 
and just wait. Just play the fight song. And play. <laughs> no, I'm going to rip audio. I'm going to find like one of the, the, I think I hit two threes in my basketball career at Ohio State. I'm going to like rip the audio of the broadcast of that where it was like Titus dribbles up to the court and shoots a three and he hits it and just like play that on loop and hold that up on the <laughs> oh my god uh, again just because it's funny doesn't mean it's a joke Tate remember it's, that yes. um, let's take a break we'll come back let's talk about the playoffs I have a lot of I have a lot of questions you watch NBA more than I do um, you've been following this all year I I, eh. I just pop in for the playoffs uh, eh, eh, eh. Um, but I, I have a lot of questions as it pertains to like college basketball some some familiar faces some TJ McConnell talk. Yes. I, 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 there's just a lot of stuff I want to ask and, and kind of bounce around. So let's take a break. We'll come back and do that. Quick break to get a word from our sponsor, Bombas. Hey, Titus, how often do you think about your socks? Uh, not a lot. <laughs> I didn't think about my socks either until Bombas dropped the bag and got me some free, nice, comfy new socks. And uh, I, re- I recently discovered these socks that changed the way I think about socks forever. Uh, they're called Bombas. Bombas are the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. Don't quote me on that. Uh, made from premium cotton, Bombas stay warm in the winter and cool in the summer. And every pair comes with a built-in blister tab, innovative arch support, stay-up technology, and a seamless toe. Bombas are what feet daydream about. Uh, with so many colors, patterns, length, and styles, Bombas look great in the gym, at the office, and out on the town whenever you just take your shoes off and just walk around in your socks out in the town that's what people do and for every Bombas purchase you make Bombas donates a pair to someone in the need and for every Bombas purchase you make Bombas donates a pair to someone in need they've, de- they've donated over 7 million pairs of socks so far keep cool keep comfortable and keep contributing with the best socks in the history of feet again there it is Bombas buy your new socks at bombas.com slash shining today and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash shining for 20% off today. Bombas.com slash shining. Back to NBA talk. All right, Tate, we are back. Uh, we have a new producer. We have Evan helping us out now. Kyle Kyle just left mid-show. In the middle of the show, Kyle just bounces. Tell me what happens. You, I'm not I'm not there. Again, I'm in Columbus, Ohio. What 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 just happened? Is that cool with you, Kyle? <clears throat> it's actually Evan. Hey, Evan. Hey, what's up, guys? Evan, what happened to Kyle? <laughs> yeah, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> he had to dip out. What he had the to go fuck? Out, uh, Bill's pod. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle had to go smoke a cigarette and get ready for Bill's pod. <laughs> Essentially. I don't know. I'm sitting in a room. I, I thought Kyle was on the other side. We were bringing him into the conversation as good talent does, you know, try to include the producer, try to be good guys per usual. And instead, Kyle, be's, you know, just becomes Kyle guy and walks out, apparently shuts the door. And now we have Evan who's in here. Thank you so much, Evan. You deserve yeah, the yeah, shout out. You're, you're working so hard. I'm just happy to help. Kyle, I mean, what are we going to do with Kyle? When, when do <laughs> we, we get to the point where we kick him off staff? I mean, he's he's ab- a, he's absolutely the top fall guy. He's our Christian Dawkins. If anything goes around Evan, Chicago State, Chicago State, it is Kyle's Kyle's fault for sure. Evan, were you, were you, were you, was it you sitting in here as we were talking about Chicago State and going over our plans to, uh, no, no. to make Chicago State again? I literally walked in about three minutes ago. Uh, I have no idea what uh, you guys are talking about. <laughs> so Kyle, <laughs> so Kyle, Kyle stayed on for the, he could listen to that at least. Yeah, exactly. we have to appreciate yeah. that. Oh my god! And then he doesn't even say anything. He just bounces. Oh god! The joys of we're pulling the curtain back. The joys of podcasting. <laughs> uh, so. Let's talk about the playoffs a little bit. 
Tate. I my first question, I, I I went on Simmons podcast and talked to him about this a little bit because I wrote an article about this. Um about the Rockets. Uh I was I I basically here's here's how it happened. Here's how I, here's how I wrote about the Houston Rockets. I'm watching the playoffs. Wait, you didn't write about Simmons the Pacers? Text, I know. I didn't write about I my need, Pacers. I, I, I need the definitive Pacers piece. Just I, I I'll throw that to the side. Please tell me about the Rockets. I'm upset. Every, but, everyone but I won't wants say to hear anything. my thoughts on the Pacers. Yes. As as a huge Pacers fan myself, <laughs> me and the rest of Indiana, all of us just absolutely love the Pacers, and that's uh, you know pro basketball. Set the pace. Is very huge, Set the pace. Everybody wants that. Uh, so I'm watching the right. Like I was Simmons is basically like, we want you to write something about the NBA. What what is standing out to you? And I thought, I'm watching the Rockets. I cannot decide if I enjoy watching this team play. Um, come to find out, like this is this seems to be a debate that's been going on throughout the year, and in the sense of like. Basically, the debate is: Is James Harden good? I didn't realize so many people hated James Harden. That's what I. That's what I have learned. Um, so I went on. I, w- I went on. We talked about it on Simmons podcast, but I wanted to hash it out with you because I wanted to talk like college basketball. And the, the kind of what I, the point I was making with him was that it's interesting how the Rockets run the most. I don't. I don't know if they are the most efficient offense or if Golden State's better than them, but it's pretty clearly that their approach. For those who don't know, for those who are listening and are just college basketball fans and don't watch an NBA, the Rockets are taking the approach of like basically threes are worth more than twos. So let's shoot more threes if, and let's just run the most efficient clinical thing possible. The the I'd say the main the main difference between a college basketball and an NBA game is the fast just watch a fast break and see what happens. In college basketball, we're just trying to get a layup. We're trying to get the the best shot possible, yeah. which is taught fundamentals, you know, normal basketball. And the NBA, you run to the corner <laughs> and try to get a three, basically. Right. Or pull up right. for three. So the Rockets, the Rockets basically take the approach of like we're we're just running the most efficient thing. They 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 are almost they they are the manifestation of the analytics movement, and this is what has the analytics stuff has spit out is like just shoot layups and threes and free throws, and that's it. That's all we want. Um, and in a lot of ways, it's a ton of fun to watch because who doesn't love watching plays at the rim and threes and like James Harden breaking dudes down off the dribble and like there's all that fun stuff. But then there's like the play the other night where James Harden hooks Dante Exum and then throws the ball in his face and gets a foul <laughs> called and they flop a lot and they do all that. But anyway, the point is, I think it's interesting how, first of all, like the, the feedback I got when I wrote the, the thing was that apparently most of America hates watching the Rockets and how this ties back to college basketball and what I found fascinating is that Virginia is in the same boat where they, they go about it in a completely different way. Like Virginia's MO is we're playing defense, we're playing team offense and the Rockets is like, we're playing, we're playing ISO ball and jacking threes and all that kind of, but the premise stands where it's like, we are, we are taking efficiency to the max, to the extreme. That's what we're focused on more than anything else. We don't really care about the aesthetic, whether whether people enjoy watching us play or whatever. We are trying to win. The data says this is the easiest way to go about winning. This is what we're going to do. But we've arrived at a point where the the two teams that are embracing that the most at at the level, the two levels of basketball, seem to be hated by the general public watching them. And I find that fascinating. And I don't even know if there's a question at the end of this rant, Tate. But that was kind of it. And I, Your thoughts? I like I the I like the I know I like the comparison, but it's basically like Houston's going for threes, layups, free throws. We know that. that that's what everyone wants to talk about. I think I find it fascinating because Houston is they're they're sort of in a way. I mean, obviously they're chasing the Warriors and they're and they're sort of battling to get to that same level. They add another star and they get Chris Paul. And I think the difference between Virginia 
and the Houston Rockets and like as far as their identity is that Virginia leans into who they are. You know, you're never going to see Tony Bennett get up on a podium and apologize for pay- playing the pack line defense and say, you know, maybe maybe this isn't the way we should be playing basketball. They're they're basically like we we take the ups with the downs. This is how we play the game. This is what we believe. This is what we do. But what the Rockets are doing this year, which I find fascinating, what they've done all season, being the one seed in the West, is they're trying to to kind of get away from like talking about how great they, they are with this a whole identity of the threes, the layups, and the free throws. Like Mike D'Antoni just can't every single time he's at a press conference and they bring this up about them shooting threes with the reason in the corner and everything, he he brings up Chris Paul's mid range game. He's like, well, we added Chris Paul's mid-range game, so now we have that. And he and he brings up Capella yeah. and he's like, now we have Capella that like they they seem to they're not leaning into it as much as, you know, say Virginia is. They're, they don't stand by it. It seems like D'Antoni, there's a little bit of an insecurity with this Rockets team. I mean, even them up 3-1, there are still people that think Utah has a chance, even though without Rubio, I, I don't think they do. But it, it, it's it's they're they're trying to be a little bit different or at least, you know, give a little bit back so to, a, to make people more affable to, to, to see how they play and say we're more conventional than you think, you know, instead of being so aggressive and abrasive and against the grain like they were at the start. Because I think that turns people so off a, when you do that. Is it a, is it a defense mechanism? So when the Rockets lose to the Warriors in five games, yeah, exactly. Uh, everyone doesn't accuse them. You know, like, well, your system can't possibly win, and the, you know they don't yeah. attack them for for this, which is what happened with Virginia. You lose to the 16 seed, and that's all. You know, that's even before they lost to the 16 seed. It was like, can Tony Bennett's system work in March Madness and all that stuff? But that's the, but, um, but when you ask Tony Bennett that he he just is like you know this was a rough night for us you know the shots didn't go in we didn't make shots uh, love these guys move on but when if the Rockets lose in five to the Warriors you know Dan Tony's going to come in and sit in there and say you know we thought we addressed the the problems with this team we added Chris we thought Chris would be good on you know Steph we we, we thought James would be able to step up you know and Clay did a good job you know what I mean like they're going to have the the built in we tried to address these problems we added PJ Tucker for some toughness you know we, we we've decided that you know Clint Capella has somehow become like a young Akeem Olajuwon at sometimes as far as playing defense i mean he's he's leading the playoffs and you know blocks per game right now and if all that stuff doesn't work and they lose in the conference finals. Granted, it'll be good for them to make it the conference finals. You know, be Chris Paul's first time doing that. I, I don't know. I, just, I feel like they're already setting themselves up, like you said, for the for the excuses because they tried to quote unquote address these problems before they played the Warriors. But the Warriors are just the well, best team. Of, yeah, that, that's that's the other thing about the playoffs is like I, I've gotten into the playoffs because that the first round of the playoffs was incredible. I felt like every team that won the first round, basically all the teams that are still playing now. Ex- include, but also including the Raptors, even though they just got eliminated. Uh, after all these teams won their first round series, I, I kind of thought like any of these teams could end up winning it. Yeah. I kind of had that feeling of like the Warriors, Steph is not completely healthy. Maybe they're a little susceptible. Maybe the Rockets can knock off the Warriors. Maybe. And then as it's progressed, I'm just like, oh, it's going to be Cavs Warriors again. This is what's going to happen again. Um, but what, the, the, just the whole Rockets thing is fascinating to me because. And the, the the big difference between like the college and the NBA is that say the Rockets win win the, the title this year and that that kind of like causes more teams to to take to take the Rockets approach. I mean, we're already seeing that with the NBA, as you said. This is like a league wide thing where guys run to the corner on fast breaks and the three point revolution. The Rockets are not unique in shooting a ton of threes. Like no. the Warriors do that too. The, the the Nets, I think, jacked a ton of threes this year. Like there are plenty of teams that are shooting a ton of threes. But I think if if the Rockets win a title and it validates 
the extreme just that that's kind of the difference is they've taken it to the extreme and they're they're almost unapologetic even though in the press conferences they might be apologetic but like the way they go about their business is unapologetic they're like we we are not afraid to shoot 73s if that's what it takes in a game you know um how but if that's what the no if if like that's what the nba becomes like if they validate this and then now all the other teams are like oh so you can win a title that way and it becomes that the NBA has like a decision where like if the fan base hates watching this team play and that's what your league is becoming, like are they going to step in and change rules? And it's just fascinating to me because at the end of the day, the NBA is a business. It's an entertainment product. That's really the only reason it exists. You can pretend like it exists as a competition to crown the greatest athlete, X, Y, whatever. You, you, you can dress it all up like that. But at the end of the day, it is a business they're trying to make money. They're trying to entertain people to pay them money for the entertainment. And that's that's literally the only reason they exist. Whereas college, their mission statement, and and you can you can roll your eyes at it all you want, but like college does make a ton of money, but they would tell you their mission statement is just to provide the opportunity for education. And basketball exists at the college level just to kind of have the competitive outlet, basically, to to play basketball. So I don't think there's like like at the college level, there's not this if if every team played like Virginia, I don't think the college necessarily needs to stop that because like it, 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 the entertainment is not the the primary objective in a weird, you know what I'm saying? Like, and and I, I find that fascinating because just I I don't know what the solution is for the it, it's I don't know I don't know where I'm going with that if that makes any sense to you I just I just find it all fascinating because it, uh I I feel like this is where basketball is going and it's cool and it's fun but it's like. What is if the fan base hates it? Is it really that cool? I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I, I, I just see a team like the Rockets who are who are the best team in the league this year, and that's how they play. So I, I think it's one of those things too, where I, I think the Virginia Rockets thing is, is the perfect comparison as far as if Virginia is winning national titles playing the way they play, they are embraced. If the Houston Rockets upset the Golden State Warriors and win an NBA title, they are embraced. People will start having fun with the way that they, they do things. People will think, people, instead of talking about James Harden traveling, they'll be talking about how amazing his footwork is. That That's how easy that, that flip will, like the, right. the switch will be flipped that, that easy with all that talk. And I think that's part of the problem with Virginia and with Houston. And it's not even their problem, but they have, the Rockets have the Warriors. Virginia has Villanova. You know what I mean? Like you have this good product yes. of basketball that everyone appreciates and they think it's beautiful and that some people may hate it. Some people may love it. It's a definitely a, a distinct identity with the way that you play the game of basketball. We all get that. But you're not the best. So, you know, you're, you're, doing, you're doing this old little thing about your own experiment. So people don't want to hear about it because they're like, well, I don't think they're going to win. So I don't, want to, I don't even care to, to buy in to watch this because I don't even want to see it. And this, I think that happens a little bit with Houston where people hear about all these guys shooting threes and doing all this stuff. And people say, what do you mean shooting? Th- what do you like? That's what the, that's what the Warriors are. Oh, if I want to watch people pop threes, I want to watch Steph Curry and Klay Thompson shoot threes and Kevin Durant shoot threes. You know yes. what I mean? It's like you have the better version of that. It's like if I want to watch Virginia, oh, I can watch Villanova who plays disciplined defense like that but also can put up 110 points if they all get hot and Bridges and, you know, Spellman and Brunson and, you know, you have all these stars. And I, I think that that's sort of the, the problem here is that, yes, you are great in your own right, but people, I mean, they want to they be sided up with the winners and talk about how great they are. It's true. It's uh, who I, I didn't realize how much – People hated James Harden until 
this past week, and they they very much hate James and, Harden. Um, and, and and I find that fascinating because if there's anyone that deserves the sympathy from, I, I would say from the the modern NBA fan as far as you've watched someone be so great and not necessarily get the the awards and has been basically number he's been Mister Runner Up. You know what I mean? He, he, every single MVP right. season, it seems like, oh, James Harden's a guy, and then oh, Steph wins. You know, oh, James Harden's a guy, Russ wins, and then this year, I mean, I think it's pretty much you know to the point where we all know James Harden will probably win it this year. We'll finally get one, but you would think if someone would got slighted two years in a row, I mean, you know, slighted, you can take that whichever way, but for him to finish second two years in a row, and then for him to finally come back and win it this third year, you would think people would embrace him at this point. But uh, I think it's just the way he plays. People don't like the whole foul thing, and he definitely is no. a mastermind at grabbing onto people and being able to draw a foul. But I I mean, I think that's just, there's there's a little bit of like veteran savviness that comes into play with that stuff too. And, and I mean, if they're going to call it, then you got to figure it out. The traveling on the step back is... is it's mind-boggling. I mean, I'm going to... Yeah, yeah, there, there is no traveling. Don't call it. There's uh, no traveling in NBA but, basketball. The big takeaway for me is that the NBA fan base is a hater fan base. This is this is what I've learned um, because it, it dawned on me. Like I didn't realize. I mean, I, I I imagine people thought like James Harden, like this the, the traveling is probably annoying. The flopping is annoying. I didn't realize people like hate this guy. Like when he when he, if 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 the if the the Rockets get swept, there are going to be people like dancing in the streets yes. that the Warriors swept the Rockets. Get James Harden out of my face. I hate this guy so much. Um, and those same but then I thought those, about it. Like those same people dancing in the street will then turn and hate the Warriors and want them to get beat by LeBron. That's what I'm saying. Final. It's just hater who, after hater. Who who is the best player in the NBA today that is universally beloved? That everybody's like, man, I w- I would really like that guy to do well. Like Anthony Davis. Does I, it, I, do people hate Anthony Davis? I'm, a, I'm gonna say Giannis. For some reason, everyone, you know. Giannis? I mean, yeah, Giannis, even in the playoffs, when he comes up short, no one says anything, you know? There, but Giannis, he's in Giannis a, has zero, he has zero career playoff series wins, right? Yes. And like Victor, I, th- I feel like people love Victor Oladipo yep, too. Oladipo's a new very one. Good. He, he, has, he has zero career playoff series wins. I think Anthony Davis this year got his very first career playoff series win when they beat the Blazers. Yep. But the point is like, it's kind of easy to like the guys who aren't threatening to you, the guys who aren't winning things. You're talking about like the superstars who are actually like advancing and are threats to win titles. Every single one of them are hated by people. Absolutely. <laughs> it's so fascinating. I mean, you just, you just, just list them out. I mean, you go LeBron James, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond yeah. Green is, I mean, I mean, people, they can't stand Draymond Green. People lose their shit. I mean, Charles Buckley said he wanted to punch him in the face. like it's because like those guys that are on that panel Kenny and Charles and Shaq I mean they have to cape for their own era so when they see someone that is threatening like the Golden State Warriors who God knows how many NBA titles they could win at this point because this year they don't even look that threatening and you know at this they are the favorite to win the title you know you start saying those things because you're worried about the Golden State Warriors winning seven titles and being considered the greatest of all time right it's 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 fascinating um Here's here's a question for you. Moving moving on to another topic with the playoffs. Uh Brad Stevens. Is this is Brad Stevens being crowned the greatest basketball coach of all time? Is this is this a good thing for college basketball? Or is this a bad thing for college basketball? Or is it neither or is it both? Um and <laughs> the the reason I bring it up is <laughs> I'm gonna go with neither feel, and or both. <laughs> how do we feel about the darling like so first of all, a little background, Tate. I played for Brad Stevens. I don't know if I've told this story before on this podcast. 
<laughs> Never heard it. Uh, I, been, I I just I just I actually just found a picture the other day where where he's he it was 1998 and I must have been what I would have been 11 years old and he was handing out a trophy to me and shaking my hand and my dad took a picture of it and he sent it to me the other day of Coach Stevens wearing his cargo shorts and his his like seven dollar watch and he he must have been she, I, I can't even do the math he we must need- have been what like 22 years old 21 years old at this time and he he was handing a trophy out to me. Um, send me that picture. But, I'm going to put uh, one of those bubble quotes from like the nineties and it just says make Chicago state again. And it's Brad Stevens saying it. Oh yeah. So am I, am I under the Brad Stevens coaching tree? Then? Yes, absolutely. Is that how that works? Yes, you are. Congratulations. So, so my question to you guys Stevens pertains disciple. to college basketball is Brad Stevens is the great young college mind. Um, and now he's obviously finding success in the NBA. It's to the point where like, if I'm being objective, the guy has not really won anything yet, and people are already losing their minds, and rightfully so. I mean, he's—I don't mean to t- like—I love Barrett Stevens, but it's just like it's fascinating how people are, are are already crowned him as like better than Popovich and Steve Kerr and like all this stuff, which I don't—I don't pay enough attention. But, maybe he is, but uh, but you just talked about it. That's the same thing. He's not the threat yet. Like like Brad Stevens right now, point. he is like it, people look at the Celtics teams and everyone's you know so surprised that they're beating the Sixers and all this stuff. But a lot of t- what are they what they're doing against the Sixers? They're not scared of the Sixers, even though they may not be as talented. They're not scared and they're taking it to them, and they just are playing more disciplined, better basketball. I mean, they're running plays, and it just it looks like a different game of basketball. But when Brad Stevens takes a Celtics team with Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward and Al Horford and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and and that whole team runs it back and they make their first finals then when brad stevens makes you know an ato that doesn't work people are going to lose their minds you know what i mean then people right. are going to say well th- this is your brad stevens this is your coach it's the same thing with brett brown <laughs> brett brown went from coach of the year jj reddick makes a shitty bounce pass and then everyone's like you gotta fire the guy like that's how quickly that stuff turns it's crazy so is this is, should we be celebrating as college basketball fans brad stevens being great like is that our guy is it like we groomed is this a celebration of we finally have a coach who is great in college who can make the jump and be great in the NBA? Or is this a case of like, shit, all this does is validate this, which means all the best coaches in college, it's, it's going to start a new trend where like the days of, of Bob Knight taking the job at Indiana as like a however old he was and staying there for 70 years and Jim Beheim being at Syracuse for a thousand years. Like those days are long gone and what's going to happen is guys are just going to like pop around from job to job and then when the NBA calls, they're going to go to the NBA and that that's my question to you. Or should we celebrate the Brad Stevens that finally, after all these other college coaches that make the jump and can't really make it work, I mean, it's not it's not every single one. I know like Larry Brown won a title and all that kind of stuff, but um, for the most part, that seems to be the the general thought of like if a coach was so good why was he in college all this time and can't, you know th- there's so many examples of guys who jump to the to the NBA and aren't great but there finally is one should we should we be excited about this yeah we should we should celebrate Brad Stevens but I I'm also hesitant to do that because I think Brad Stevens is just a, a, a college basketball you know some sort of mastermind some sort of sensei or something I mean he's I feel like he's a separate example I think the craziest example and the best the best thing that could have happened in college basketball is if uh, you remember when the Warriors were when they fired Mark Jackson, they had like three coaches that they were down to. It was Steve Kerr, uh, Stan Van Gundy, uh, R.I.P. Stan Van Gundy, miss you in Detroit, and uh, Fred Hoiberg. And one of my greatest what ifs is if Fred Hoiberg went to the Warriors and they win these four titles oh or whatever. 
You know what I mean? That would have looked good for college basketball because Fred Hoiberg is like a middle-of-the-pack coach in college basketball. I mean, he did some good things at Iowa State, you know, kind of took them to the next level, got them a three-seed in the tournament and all that stuff. But if Fred Hoiberg went to the Warriors and they won four (laughs) or five titles or whatever it is, then I would have said that was the best thing that ever happened to college basketball. Because, I mean, Brad Stevens, I think we could all, you know, you just listen to the man speak about the game of basketball and it's a different level. Hoiberg is not like that. So if Hoiberg went there all sheepish and quiet and took Stephen Curry to five titles— that, that, I think, would have been, you know, people would be like, man, anybody can coach in the NBA. My God. it's an excellent point. Um, what, 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 what is the story for you for the playoffs so far? What My, jumps out to you? What, what else do we need to talk about? I just want to talk about, like, some of the most surprising things uh, as far as, like, players that are doing, uh, like, just, I can't believe it. Like, Rajon Rondo is leading the playoffs in assists per game. Like, wait, what? What year is it? It's 2018. How's I thought he, I thought he died like five years ago. <laughs> He's like the next closest guy is uh, John Wall, who was out of the playoffs a long time ago, and he had 11 and a half. And then it's Draymond Green and then LeBron James at nine. I mean, he, he's. He's four assists more than anyone else in the playoffs by a long shot. So Rondo, that makes no sense to me. Uh, Terry Rozier. I don't know where all of this came from, but, you know, he's leading the playoffs and three pointers made. He was the 16th pick. When they made that pick, when the Celtics made that pick, I thought that was going to be like a James Young type pick where you kind of draft a guy a little bit over where you should just because you like him and you need a guard. Uh, but now Rozier is going to be, the trade value for him is insane at this point. I, did, I mean, did you expect Rozier to be this good? I did because I, I made this point on Simmons Pod that uh, as soon as Patino got fired, like Patino, you look at Patino's track record with NBA players, and it's it's good, but it's not as good as it should be, given that he's one of the the great coaches of all time, given his uh just his college resume or whatever. Probably because he made um, him come back to school. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like like the best NBA player he had was probably Jamal Mashburn, who's yeah. very good. He's a very good player, great but like Hornet. he doesn't have the. He doesn't have the 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 laundry list that, that you might expect of a coach of Rick Pitino's caliber, right? And then the year that he gets fired is the year that Terry Rozier and Donovan Mitchell just explode. And I don't think that's a coincidence, Tate. That 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 Rick Pitino died so they could live. <laughs> that's my theory. <laughs> Rick Pitino is is always looking out for others. That's why I love the guy so he, much. He puts um, him first. I, I I for a second I thought I was talking to Dickie V on the phone. <laughs> Speaking of guys coming out of nowhere, TJ McConnell. Yes, and I know, I know he's, I know he's been good for the Sixers, and he's been like, if you've actually been following him, what he did, what was it? Last night was Game Four. Yeah, Game Four. What he did Game Four is like not that shocking if you actually pay that much attention. But can we just appreciate like his overall NBA career to this point? That just, just the fact that the guy's even still in the NBA, that he was ever even in the NBA <laughs> in the first place, is incredible. It's, it's. Not, I, I'm not even. I'm not even being a hater, Tate. It's like, like he was basically Aaron Craft, except about. He he has he had obviously a better jump shot, but he was like Aaron Craft. Like he was maybe worse slightly than, worse defense, but but yeah, yeah, he was worse than Aaron Craft in college. Right, and and he's now being like the hero. I mean, I know I know Philly's probably still going to lose the series, but. It's kind of like Mike Lombardi was losing his mind on Twitter. TJ McConnell, yes, but <laughs> you're doing it, and and you got and you got Ben, you got Ben Simmons, and you got uh, you know Joel Embiid and Sarich and all these guys that are quote unquote part of the process or whatever. TJ McConnell is the best part of the process. They they just need to give him the ball. And when they lost that uh, game two, they took him out with eight minutes left, and that's how they blew the game. You know, and it's like TJ McConnell's a star. 
uh, he, he has been. He reminded me of Kelly Olynyk. Remember last year when Kelly Olynyk had that game seven that just no like didn't make any sense. He had like twenty some points in a game seven. That, yeah. that that was how McConnell felt yesterday, having nineteen points. It was like nineteen five and seven or something like that. It just makes it makes zero. I feel like sense. this happens. This sort of stuff happens in the NBA playoffs more than it does in college, and I guess it probably makes sense as to why. But um, you you. you I guess I guess maybe maybe it doesn't, but in my mind it ha- it seems to happen more often where guys come out of nowhere in the playoffs. Just in in college, I I don't know. Like college basketball, maybe that's why I like college basketball more, is because like the team that you are all season is generally, or like the team that you were in December is generally the team that you will be in March, and it's just kind of like they take every game has the same intensity, it has the same sort of feel, the same sort of lineups are thrown out there. Like coaches don't aren't experimenting. You don't have like. Tristan, you don't have like Teron Lou like suddenly saying, "Oh, it's Tristan Thompson, let's make you more important this game." It's like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like these guys don't come out of nowhere. It's just these are the teams that we have. Or, or, um, or even yeah, these, these, yeah, I was gonna say like even like the Warriors, they put they started in a game, so they lose game three, and then in game four they put it out. They were just like, we're just gonna put the death lineup out there. We're we're just gonna start Iguodala. We're gonna put Draymond at the five, and then we're gonna blow him out. We're gonna run him out of the gym to start the game. They were up like seventeen to four. They just came out and just blew them out. They're like, game over. Okay, now we're up 3-1 and we're going home. You know. Yeah, it, I mean, like, can you imagine like, <laughs> like Tom Izzo business. saying, Tom Izzo going into the tournament and just being like, uh, okay, now I'm going to start Matt McQuaid <laughs> and Tom Tom there and, and we're going to run a 1-3-1 defense and just, just shake things up and just kind of, like that never, ever happens. And it's fascinating how it happens in the NBA because it's kind of, just given the nature of it, with the seven game series, you got to find your little wrinkles and kind of shake things up here and there. But uh, it, it it's kind of cool. I I got um, I got to ask you about my favorite wrinkle in the playoffs, and that's with the Utah Jazz, and it's called the John Stockton cutaway. How many times can we see John Stockton in a, in a broadcast? Not enough. Not I mean, did you know he played for the Jazz? <laughs> they show his jersey. They show him in the crowd. They show Dave Stockton, who's on the bench. You know, who got to play in garbage time the other night, which was awesome. But they just show John Stockton, and it's like he doesn't know he's on camera, but he also kind of knows he's on camera. And then they show him for way too long. You can tell he's a little bit like weirded out that they keep showing him. He's at every game, but then it's also awesome because then you have Akeem Olajuwon down there. They keep showing Olajuwon, then they show Stockton, then they show Olajuwon. And they talk about Capella being mentored by Elijah Juan. And I don't know. There's this whole 90s basketball influence on the playoffs this year, which has been a lot of fun. I've, I've really enjoyed it. Do you think, did they did they do this uh, back in the day? <laughs> like in the 90s? I know Bill, Ru- <laughs> yeah, like, because I feel like Bill Russell's the only really old guy from like the 60s and 70s that gets, did Bill Russell even play in the 70s? I'm trying to remember. Yes. He definitely played in the 60s. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess maybe they do, but it, to me, it's like they, they never really show. Like I don't remember in the early two thousands, they would cut away and show like the, just the dude. They don't show George Mikan sitting in the or George George Gervin or whoever. You know what I mean? Yeah, just like, like, I guess I guess maybe they do, but maybe I'm wrong. But it's it's like the the guys the guys in the nineties were like that's when the the bas- basketball had exploded with Jordan and all that stuff, and then like all these guys became famous, and now they show them in the stands, and that's a. Uh, um, speaking of Jordan, what does what does LeBron have to do for you to for you to concede that he's better than Jordan? Is, is LeBron James great? That's the question. You know, that's <laughs> that's what everyone wants to know. I I, I was t- we talked about this uh, on the phone the other day when I called you. I don't understand how the poor guy. I mean, we he's great. That's all I gotta say. LeBron James is great. 
I'm just going to end it at that because every single day it gets debated whether he is great, how great he is. Charles Barkley said last night he's still seven on his list. You know, Bill's going to update his pyramid and, and move him up to, I guess, number two or, or something like that. I don't know. I just feel like, can we just let LeBron, can we just see if LeBron James can continue to win and go to his eighth straight finals? And then at the end of the season, we Mike, can all talk about this. That's all I want to do. Mike Greenberg goes on his passionate rant on Get Up saying, folks, LeBron James, if, if you good. don't think LeBron James is good at this point. <laughs> but I, lo- I love that it takes like, it took like one running shot off the glass against the Raptors and now everyone's like wait a second hold on wait now wait just a second is this guy great <laughs> my favorite my favorite thing was uh, afterwards everyone was saying he didn't call bank <laughs> oh yeah yeah, yeah. People, yeah. people freaking out They're like he didn't even call bank man it's just like at that point there we're having the conversation like is LeBron James great but we're having the conversation is LeBron James good LeBron James is not only good but he is great you know what I mean? Just just nix the whole, that that's the end of the argument. That's all that's all we can do. He's going to go back to the finals. No s- They're going to play four straight finals against each other. It's going to be Durant versus LeBron. I mean, it's all it's What you all- just said makes no sense whatsoever to me, but it, <laughs> I I, I still kind of make sense. He's he's not good, but he's great. He's like he's, like like you just said Greenberg starts like if you don't think LeBron James is good, it's how <laughs> How could you not? Like, what do you what do you mean? How could you not? He's carrying an entire team. He's scoring thirty percent of their points. He runs every single play. He's their point guard. He's their center. He's their best player. He's their top scorer. He's their best defender. He doesn't come out. I of have the game. two more play. I have two more playoff thoughts for you. Number one, Hubie Brown <laughs> is the greatest commentator in the game today. I love Hubie Brown so much. I love. My favorite experience in these NBA playoffs is when Hubie Brown is telling us what happens on a replay, and he's just basically <laughs> describing what we're all seeing right in front of our face. He's like, "No, now look here. You, you see here, LeBron's gonna. So LeBron dribbles here, and and also by the way, he's like way behind on the play as well. Like they're showing the replay, and it's. I, I keep using LeBron as an example. I don't. I don't remember all the games that Hubie's called in these playoffs, but uh, I'll just use LeBron as an example. Like. They'll show a replay of LeBron driving and dunking it, and like he's already dunked the ball, and Hubie's like, "Now you'll see here. He he he's driving, and and he gets a step, and now and and the dunk had already happened five seconds ago, and Hubie's like, and then he and then he just he he throws it down right there, and that's what that's what we see here. Now now if you're if you're if you're Toronto, you're gonna want to stop that, and then that's like his commentary. It's the yeah. greatest thing. He goes, I love it. He's like, now you see, so it, like they'll throw a, like Ben Simmons will throw a pass that gets picked off, and after it's already picked off, he goes, see, now you see, that's a bad angle on that pass. That's a bad angle, yeah. Now you like, see yeah, there, what, what you want to do there is... It's like, yeah, that's a, that was a bad angle. Uh, you know, like the ref will make a call, to, and they'll watch the replay. He's like, yeah, referee right there, right on top of that one. He's got it right there. Uh, it's it's I, so good. I love Hubie. I, I'm loving Hubie. Uh, the other question I have for you is this. I want to revisit a fun debate you uh, that existed in college basketball world. Um, I, I tweeted this at Ryan Rosillo, and he never addressed it. He just <laughs> swept it under the rug. Uh, classic, classic Rosillo move there. He hit mute. Um, could so back in 2015, Kentucky's undefeated, and then they lose to Wisconsin in the Final Four. I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. this, Tate. Yes, it happened. That happened. Um, yep. The debate all year: Could Kentucky beat the Sixers? That's what we talked about. That was what everyone and and a lot of people were very passionate. There's no way they could possibly beat the Sixers. It couldn't happen. So I would like to revisit this, Tate. Could Kentucky's 2015 team, as they exist today, 
beat the Sixers as they exist today, in your opinion? Could could Andrew Harrison, Devin Booker, Trey Lyles, Willie Cauley Stein, Carl Anthony Towns, yes. Aaron Harrison? Yes. Who else was on the team? <laughs> yeah. Tyler Eulis. Yeah. I'm gonna go Dakari with Dakari Johnson. Yes. Marcus Lee. Yes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say yes. <laughs> okay. Just kidding. Uh, but if they played the 2015 Sixers, I would definitely take that Kentucky roster. Because you got Towns and, you know, uh, mm. yeah, yeah. I mean, even the Harrison Twins play in the NBA now. Because if p- people forget who was on that 2015 team, it was like Michael Carter-Williams, Robert Covington, I think, is the only guy that's basically still in the team. Nerlens Noel got shipped out. JaVel McGee was on Embiid that was team. Hurt. Yeah, Embiid was hurt. Like, Ish Smith was their point guard at some point. Uh, who else? There was someone that was just so bad. Oh, Larry Drew was on that team. Larry Drew. Oh, you love Larry Drew. He was on the Sixers that year. That's how bad they were. It was like KJ McDaniels, Luke Mbamut. I mean, I remember how bad that team was because I remember looking at the roster and being like, this is uh, a travesty. This is, they would beat that team. I will say that, Kentucky fans. As you know, we like to pander to the Kentucky fans every once in a while. So the 2015 would be so the, the debate, 2015 Sixers. So today, are you saying the debate settled? Finally settled. Three years later, we've we've got an answer. Yes, the answer is yes. They, yeah. they would beat the Sixers unequivocally. Awesome. Yes, that's, that's what I was after. I was I was I was just trying to to find an answer on that one. So good stuff. Um, anything else before we go? Uh, I wanted to make sure that you saw uh, Ball is Life was out in California. They had some you know pickup exhibition game with all these high school players that came out here. And your boy Mac McClung, yeah. uh, cousin of Riff Raff, as we know. <laughs> uh, won the dunk contest out here, and people were losing their shit about it. I mean, people were going crazy. Yeah, he he is. He, I, I, I think, think he's taken Zion's corner as the best dunker in the class. I, I think that's his thing. Is a uh, is, is he's just a dunk contest guy? I think that's his. Uh, as as you pointed out to me, you said you can tell who has Instagram accounts. You can tell who's active on Instagram by how they feel about Mac McClung. Like that's the <laughs> that's the barometer. It's like if you're really into Mac McClung you obviously spend a lot of time on Instagram because that dude's like an Instagram star, but in the real world, he's apparently like, again, I, I looked up his, I looked up his like recruiting ranking and he's not that, not that great. Apparently at basketball, it's, it's fascinating. It's, I, I love the, these times that we live in where you can build a brand for yourself and not be good at the thing that you've built a brand for yourself for. Yeah. It's, we need to come up with a name for all those guys like the Zion, Mac McClellan, like that whole class of like, cause I even had a friend of mine that does not really watch basketball was trying to act like he knows what's going on. And he said, what about this Mac McClung guy? I didn't spell his name right at all, but he was like, he seems like he's a pretty good guy. White guy going to Georgetown. I was like, yep. You're, you're, a- you're on Instagram. By the way, when we get to Chicago State job, this is how we're going to fall into this pit as well. Of like, course. This is how we're going to recruit. We're going to just like look at videos of Mac McClung and then just like comment on his YouTube page and just be like, <laughs> hey man, my DMs are open. Come play at Chicago State. <laughs> Let's talk. You look <laughs> like a cougar to that's me. That's just how we're going to go by recruiting. <laughs> yes. That'll be great. We, we send like recruiting letters via Instagram comment and Instagram DM. That'll... We'll change the whole world. We're going social. Uh, I can't wait. Is there anything else in, in the world of NBA that you care about? I'm just trying to think about anything. Yeah, you I missed. want you to. I want you to throw your Jay Wright theory out there that you told me the other day that you didn't get to. Well, this I, I think I, I told you this before. Are you going to save it? Do you want to save it? I'm going to save it. We're at the end of the podcast. We'll save it for when it happens. Right, save it. It's going to happen. Do, do a teaser. A little do a teaser, a little teaser is that teaser. if Brett Brown had gotten swept yesterday, he is not the head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. And they need a man that can come in, that knows how to win titles, that is familiar with the city, that wants to groom a young phenom into being an NBA champion. And he might wear a pinstripe suit every once in a while. 
you know, pinstripe suits. That's what that's so what the I, guy does. I think what you just did there is you just gave away your entire theory. <laughs> <laughs> Jay Wright to Philadelphia to, to the 76ers. That's what we want. You were supposed to just like kind of tease it, and then what you what you see what you see but, see let me but, let me go Hubie Brown on you see what you see what you did there was <laughs> it was just, a bad angle it was a bad you just angle spilled the beans <laughs> it was a bad angle that's for sure that was a bad angle but I will say this the best part about my Jay Wright to Philly uh, hope I thought it was good. I, I I was for sure set on it happening if they got swept now with this whole game five thing I don't know if Brett Brown will get fired but if he does go back to the 76ers, there is no way in hell Larry Brown is not on the staff and I want Larry Brown to get a job so. Uh, I'm putting it out there. Larry Brown and Jay Wright all back to Philadelphia. Ben Simmons uh, gets groomed, learns how to shoot, shoots a thousand shots per day, um, and becomes an all-star. That's what I can't wait for. I love it. And then on top of that, you and I make Chicago State again. Yes. It's all happening. And we it's get, all coming together. See, that's the whole point. We get rid of the best coach in college basketball. We kick him out. We get him back to the pros. We send him up there. And then we take over college basketball. Ooh, I like that. that. Going back to the Brad Stevens thing, that is a good thing. Then yes. we want all the coaches. Yeah, get out to go to the NBA. Roy Williams, you should go get to out. Detroit. Coach K, what about the Clippers? Give them a call. That's a great idea. I, I like where you're going with this, and that that leaves us. That makes us look more attractive. Yes. As, yes. Wow. Supply and demand. That's all it is. <laughs> Cut off the supply. Suddenly, the duffel bag boys are in high demand. I love it. I love your. I love this is this is why I have you on staff, Tate. Yes. Your next level thinker here. Thanks, coach. Um <laughs> I like that. I like that. Uh all right. That's it. That's the pod. Um, before we go, I want to say it's teacher appreciation week, Tate. I don't know if you're aware of this. Yes. I come from a family of teachers. So you, do do I. you have teachers in your yes, family, do My you mother. Not? Yes. First grade teacher. Um, I want to give a shout out to all the teachers out there doing the Lord's work educating our youth. I was a substitute teacher. I dabbled in it for a little bit. I still have my substitute teaching license. Every now and then I'll pop into a high school and uh, and and people are like, well, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> Who let you in? And uh, and I, I sub. So I want to give a shout out to the teachers, Tate. Teacher, the teaching industry is just an absolute dumpster fire right now. Like mm-hmm. every teacher I talk to says, I hate my life. This is miserable, but I do it because I love the kids and all of that. And they are heroes and I love teachers. Shout out to Mrs. Bowles. Shout out to Miss Hale, my two favorite teachers in my life that I had. Um, I wanted to do that. Do you want to do that, Tate? Do you want to shout out your favorite teachers? Yeah, shout out Miss Day. Shout out Miss Johnson. Shout out Miss Westbrook. All, all, all great teachers. Mm-hmm. Shout out Miss Hornage. Shout out to all my teachers. Shout out to my mom, a great teacher. Uh, teachers are the best. Uh, if we didn't have them, we would be nothing. And uh, we need to show them all the support and give them support and appreciation as much as possible. So shout out to the teachers. That was a nice plug, Titus. I like that. That was. That was this whole. That, that's. See what I'm. I'm. I'm learning. I'm becoming a coach. I'm settling into the role. I am going to become a teacher of young men as well eventually. Here when I get the Chicago State job. But uh, yeah. Shout out to all the teachers out there. We love you. Shout out to uh, the Columbus crew. Save the crew. Save the Cougars. Make Chicago State again. That is our podcast. We will be back next week. Save the crew. All right, Tay, before we go, one last word about Bombas. They are made from premium cotton. They stay warm in the winter. They stay cool in the summer. They dropped the bag for me as well. I I have multiple pairs of Bombas. I wear them literally every single day. They are fantastic. Every pair comes with built-in blister tab, innovative arch support, stay-up technology, and a seamless toe. 
With many colors, patterns, lengths, and styles, Bombas look great in the gym, at the office, out on the town, wherever you wear socks, Bombas will have a product for you to wear socks at that place, wherever you wear socks. And for every Bombas purchase you make, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. They have donated over 7 million pairs of socks so far. So buy your new socks at bombas.com slash shining today. Get 20% off your first purchase. Bombas.com, B-O-M-B-A-S.com slash shining. 20% off 